Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we arrive at what has been building up for several weeks now, the night Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and condemned to death. The book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 43 through 52, will be our focus this week. It's already been a disappointing night of performance by the disciples. Some of them had talked a big game about standing with Jesus and and even dying with him if need be, but when game time arrived, they were found weak and wanting. And now the armed crowd, led by Judas, arrived to arrest Jesus. What happened then was quite a scene, packed full of activity. Judas kissed and betrayed. Peter attacked. Jesus healed, peacefully submitted, and displayed the power of his spoken word. The disciples fled in fear and confusion, and someone didn't have time first to put on any clothes. Pastor Jim will be taking us through the events of that night and conclude with some personal applications from what we learn, including today's segment of the sermon entitled, Betrayed and Arrested. But Jesus worded his answer also not only to identify himself, but to reinforce his deity. It's translated in our Bibles as, I am he. The Greek is just, ego eimi. I am, the emphatic pronoun I and the verb uh, to be in the form of I am, first person singular. It's exactly the way he said it seven times in the Gospel of John as recorded, but especially in John 8, 58. And when he said, I am, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was using the name of God. That name, I am, based on the verb to be, it comes from Exodus 3.14, back when God revealed himself by that name to Moses, when Moses was going to go to Pharaoh. Now, I want you to try to picture this. Imagine yourself as a soldier there that night. You are armed to the hilt. You've got your brother soldiers all around you. You've been led to believe that you are pursuing a dangerous criminal who needs to be executed, and you're going after him at night in a dark olive grove. Suddenly, there appears an unarmed man who steps forward and willingly asks you who you want. You tell him, and he calmly says, that's me, and then. Oh, I love this. Keep going in John chapter 18, verse 6. So when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, that's a kind of difficult phrase to, to translate. Uh, drew back and fell to the ground is a, is a euphemism for what happened. It was one of two little miracles that are embedded in this situation. I, I looked at the words, and I came up with the most literal translation. It would be something like, when he said to them, I am he, they departed toward the rear things and fell to the ground. Picture it. On what part of your anatomy do you land if you are suddenly impelled backward? 
Been there, done that. Jesus did not say, you may be seated. He knocked them on their backsides with two words. Is that cool or what? The very words of his mouth, because he intended it to be so, knocked the whole mob, including Judas, to the ground immediately backward. Who's in control of this situation? It's not the big brave soldiers with all their swords and clubs and torches. It's Jesus. Verse 7 of John 18. Therefore he again asked, Whom do you seek? And they said, I think I would read it this way. Um, Jesus of Nazareth? I suspect they were a little more subdued the second time that they answered him. Well, this time Jesus didn't knock them on their backsides, but he made it clear what he was doing. He was looking out for his guys. He was taking care of the disciples. Verses 8 and 9 of John 18. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. At which case, I'm sure they all brace themselves. So if you seek me, let these, I'm sure motioning to his men, let these go away to fulfill the word which he spoke of those whom you have given me, I lost no one. When had he just, when had he spoken those words? A little bit earlier that night. Go find it in John chapter 17. He had told the father, I have lost no one you've given me. I can't help but smile and marvel every time I read this, this passage and I picture this mob knocked off their feet by two words from the Prince of Peace that they're trying to arrest. Now, I called this section the melee in our outline. I was being ironic. You know, I use sarcasm quite a bit. Uh, you're expecting a melee if you're bringing hundreds of armed men to an ambush. But the encounter between Jesus and the mob was only Jesus knocking them all backward onto the ground and then giving himself up. Well, there is one little part that you might call melee, but it would be more like melette. It's a real little melee. Mark chapter 14, let's go back there, verses 46 and 47. They laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. They came forward to arrest Jesus, probably still a little bit touchy about whether he was going to knock them on their backsides again. And we're told from the other Gospels that the one of those who drew his sword was Peter. Peter had one more chance to make a public fool of himself, and he came through. He did it. Knowing there would be trouble that night, knowing that he had made some very strong promises. I will never let anyone arrest you. I will never let anyone kill you. I will go to death for you. I will. Peter had spoken, and they had all said it, but Peter was, the, Peter was the big mouth one, and so he brought a sword with him that night. Not a giant sword, the, the machaira. It's a very sharp two-edged sword. It's the word used to, as an analogy for the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13 and, and 14. This is the sword that's used for close combat. 
We know that it was Peter from the other Gospels. We also know that the guy he attacked was named Malchus, and uh, he was the servant of the high priest, and that Jesus, we know, healed the damage done by Peter. Now, what's going on here? Well, I would imagine, first of all, Peter came ready to fight. He had said he was going to. He'd made those promises. I could imagine Peter was greatly emboldened by how Jesus knocked the mob off their feet. Hey, if I pull out my sword, Jesus will miraculously hold them down while I kill them all. He was intent on fulfilling his rash promises. Great intentions, but bad judgment. Uh, By the way, Peter was not a surgeon. He's a fisherman. He's pretty good with nets. Apparently, he wasn't so great with the, with the machaira. I'm sure he did not intend to perform an earectomy. That wasn't what he was going for. That, that was the weapon that would be used when you get a hold of somebody and grab them and slit their throat. I'm sure that's what he was trying to do, but Malchus ducked and he wound up losing only an ear. Uh, interestingly, it's Luke 22, written by Dr. Luke. Uh, he always includes more of the medical stuff. He's the one that says, Jesus touched the ear and healed it. And here's your trivia for the morning. That's the only healing recorded that Jesus ever did for a fresh wound. Everything else, people had been suffering for it. I picture Jesus, if they hadn't bound his arms, and they may have had a rope around him or something, I, I picture him raising a hand to quiet the crowd because you could have pictured a fight breaking out when a guy whips out a sword and you know, whacks off somebody's ear. Um, they, of course, would stop. Why? Because the last time Jesus said something, they all wound up on the ground. Remember, he's in charge here. He is running this show. Then I picture Jesus. This is not in the Bible. I think it would be a great touch if Jesus picked up the ear off the ground. You know, and put it back on. Luke just says he touched the ear and healed it. I think, I think the guy got a brand new ear out of the, out of the deal. Um, Matthew's record then includes more. This time we go to Matthew 26, verses 52 to 54. If you read a harmony of the Gospels, you can see all of this weaves together perfectly. Matthew 26, starting at verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, to Peter, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? How many is a legion? Oh, six thousand. So Jesus is saying, look, if I wanted to, I could call 72,000 angels. He could have called more than that. He could have called all the angels if he, if he wanted to. He'd already shown with the two words, I am. He didn't need anything more than a word to squash this whole, mo- this whole mob. So he's speaking hyperbole to make the point for Peter. Peter, uh, put that thing away. Nice try. That's not what we're here for. So he let Peter know that he was fully in charge. He, had, he let Peter and all the rest know that everything happening there was the will of God. It was unfolding exactly just as it had been revealed earlier in the Word of God. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.